Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Welcome to Occupy Health. This is Dr. Susan. Have you ever experienced brain fog? Have you ever gone into a room and forgotten why you entered the room? Are these things we should be concerned about? We all know that rates of Alzheimer's and cognitive decline and dementia are increasing. Should we be concerned? Well, today we're going to get some answers. We have our expert, Tom O'Brien, and he'll tell us what we can do about these. He proposes a program with just one hour per week that we can have the best memory, productivity, and sleep we ever had. And this doesn't matter what our current brain health state might be, but he, in his new book, You Can Fix Your Brain, will enable us and empower us to take concrete steps that will make immediate difference in our brain's vitality, clarity, energy. Our memories will improve, fogginess will become less, and we'll be less tired all the time. So, background, Dr. Tom O'Brien is an internationally recognized and sought-after speaker and workshop leader specializing in wheat, its impact on health, development of autoimmune diseases as they occur inside and outside of our intestines. On November 2016, he released Betrayal, the autoimmune disease solution that they're not telling you. This is an investigation into the global effects of issues underlying autoimmune system and chronic diseases. Over 500,000 people watch this docu-series. So he's certainly a pioneer in helping us with many of the causes contributing to our epidemic of chronic diseases. Indeed, he is a Sherlock Holmes for chronic diseases and metabolic disorders. He teaches the underlying mechanism that trigger and develop these chronic diseases and gives us the key to health. He holds teaching faculty positions with the Institute of Functional Medicine and the National University of Health Sciences. He has trained and certified tens and thousands of practitioners around the world so that we have an advanced understanding of the impact of wheat sensitivity and development of individual autoimmune diseases. In 2016, he came out with a groundbreaking book, The Autoimmune Fix, that won the National Book Award and ranked first in several categories on Amazon. In this book, he outlines step-by-step development of degenerative diseases and gives us the tools to identify our disease process long before the symptoms occur. He's also the founder of TheDoctor.com and the visionary behind the Gluten Summit, The Grain of Truth. This was one of the first uh, internet summits and it brought together 29 of the world's experts on gluten connection diseases, disorders, and a wide range of symptoms. As a matter of fact, I think this was the first um, summit on, you know, on the internet. You can find out more about this on theglutensummit.com. So welcome. Welcome to the show, Dr. O'Brien. Such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Okay. You brought us so much information about gluten and autoimmune disease. Now you're exploring a further topic that concerns all of us. So what motivated you to write this new book? Well, uh, it's a good question. Um, Everyone knows someone 
that had a heart attack and survived, and they changed their diet, they started exercising, and now they're doing great, better than before. Most of us know someone diagnosed with cancer who went through their treatment protocols, came out the other side, everything's in remission, they're doing great. No one knows anyone diagnosed with a brain deterioration disease that's doing really well. It scares us. We feel helpless about brain deterioration diseases, and yet the evidence is really clear. It's a primary growing concern uh, of areas of the body that are going to go down as we age. The brain is right at the top. But it's, uh, the, the complications are uh, more frequent and more intense than any other condition. Diabetes gets more of the, the attention, but Alzheimer's is really close behind. And when you take the, uh, not only Alzheimer's, but non-Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, the, the incidence of depressions and anxieties, brain dysfunction that's occurring, especially in our younger generations, the percentages never before in history have we seen kids, such, such a high percentage of kids that are on antidepressants that as we see the numbers of what's happening to our brains, and we feel helpless about what to do. This topic has such relevance today that I've taken the concept of how do you heal the body? How do you fix your body when it's not working right? And we're using the brain as the example. With There's over 300 studies in this book that are referenced uh, about the brain and about brain dysfunction. But that's why I chose the brain. Well, how large is this problem with the brain? I mean, how how prevalent is this? If you reach the age of 85, 50% of us will have Alzheimer's. If you have one of the genes, uh, and the gene is called an APOE4. It's referred to as the Alzheimer's gene. And you get one from your mother and one from your father. If you get one gene, one APOE4, that number is 90% will develop Alzheimer's by the age of 55. If you got the APOE4 from your mother and from your father, it's 90% get Alzheimer's by the age of 65. Now, all of those numbers, all of those statistics, and this is the kicker, all of those statistics are based on people who kept living the same lifestyle after they were finally diagnosed. They kept doing the same things. And here's the vision, the, the vision I ask people to think about. When you get diagnosed with a brain deterioration disease, whether it's depression or anxiety or schizophrenia or bipolar, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, it's like you've fallen over a waterfall and you've crashed into the pond below. You swim up to the surface and you put <laughs> Oh, God, spit out the water. Thank God I'm alive, you know. And you're trying to stay afloat in this pond of depression or this pond of forgetfulness, brain fog, or this pond of anxiety. It doesn't matter what the brain symptoms are or the symptoms anywhere in the body. That uh, if you're diagnosed with depression or recurrent miscarriages, this, this example works for all of them. It's, it, you're, you're trying to stay afloat in this water, but the water is really turbulent because the waterfall keeps falling into the water. 
And so the water's really turbulent. You're still living the lifestyle that caused the degeneration that eventually manifested in the symptoms you have. You're living a turbulent lifestyle. Everyone's looking for the life jacket to stay afloat in the pond of depression or the pond of recurrent miscarriages. Well, we all need to stay afloat. You don't want to drown in those symptoms. So you try for the the least toxic side effects possible, a natural approach first, diet, nutrition if you can. And if that doesn't work, you take the drugs. Don't be silly. You need to stay afloat, but you don't stay in the water. Once you've got your life jacket, swim over to the side of the pond, get out of the water, walk up the hill, walk back up the river and find out what fell in the river in my life. What happened in my life that carried me downstream and I eventually fell over into the pond of memory loss. You have to go back upstream. The term in functional medicine is going upstream to figure out what happened in your life. Where is this coming from? And the book, You Can Fix Your Brain, is all about how you do that with simple, everyday steps. You know, Einstein said, this is uh, attributed to him, make everything as simple as possible, but no simpler. And what I want to say to all of your listeners is that we've been trained that when our bodies or our brains don't work right, you go to your doctor, you go to your healthcare practitioner, and just let them tell you what to do. They write the script for you, or they tell you uh, uh, what pills to take, what vitamins to take, what diet to take. That's not going to work anymore. What has to happen is that we all have to take ownership of this mechanism that causes disease. That means you have to be educated this, that these diseases that we get, they don't come overnight. You know, they develop over time, sometimes many, many years of slowly killing off cells, slowly killing off cells, slowly killing off cells, until eventually you kill off enough cells that you start getting that tissue doesn't work right anymore, and now you start getting some symptoms. And then eventually you get the right diagnosis after going to a couple of different doctors. But it's years of an imbalance that's going on. The symptoms are just the pond that you've fallen into. And we think that when we get a life jacket to be in that pond that we're okay. We're not okay. The mechanisms are still going on. And you have to go back upstream to figure out what are those mechanisms. I'll give you an example. When I was 44, I was diagnosed with a cataract in my left eye. So what the heck is this? I was a healthy young man uh, doing triathlons, uh, scoring in the top 10% of the 30 to 35-year-olds, and I was 44, so I was walking proud. I'm still hanging in there with the young guys, you know, and uh, had a wonderful business, a lovely family. Life is good. But all of a sudden, I've got a cataract. And I asked three different ophthalmologists, where'd this come from? Well, it just happens. Well, no, it doesn't. There has to be a mechanism. So I started doing my research, and I found that lead poisoning might cause cataracts. And I saw that, and I said, oh, no, I don't, I don't have any lead poisoning. But then this little voice said, maybe you should check. And I had done hundreds and hundreds of tests, uh, heavy metal tests on patients. So I ran a test on myself, 
I had the highest level of lead of anyone I've ever seen, ever. And I said, what the heck? Where did this come from? Oh. And I was born and raised in Detroit. And the first eight years of my life, we lived across the river, right across the river from Henry Ford's Rouge River plant, the largest assembly line in Michigan. So in the 1950s, there was no air pollution protection on the smokestacks. So my two, three, four, five, six-year-old body was breathing the air with lead every day. And I'd ride my bicycle around sucking that lead deeper into my lungs every day. It stayed there for over 40 years. Over 40 years. And eventually manifested as a cataract. We know that women who developed cognitive decline and Alzheimer's-like symptoms postmenopausally, that many times if they have, this is just an example of how you have to go upstream, they come in and their brain's not working too good, and you do some blood tests and you see they've got estrogen deficiencies, that their body is not making enough estrogen after they've gone through menopause. And if you have an estrogen deficiency, your bones start to break down and you can develop osteoporosis. Well, lead is stored in the bones. The, body, the brain does everything it can to keep the lead away from the brain. So if it gets in the bloodstream, the brain says, get it out of here, put it in the bones. So when women go through menopause, if they don't have enough estrogen, their bones start breaking down and that lead that's been buried in the bones gets released back in the bloodstream, goes up to the brain and causes more cognitive decline. And that's a very common contributor to brain dysfunction in postmenopausal women. So you have to check their hormones. And, and some neurologists would say, what the heck do hormones have to do with brain function? That's nonsense. No, it's not. You just have to read the science. So the goal is you have to go upstream to figure out why the person has what they have. And that's what this book is about. This is fascinating. Kind of reminds me that Dr. Dale Bredesen, who's been on the show, has done research on reversing cognitive decline in Alzheimer's disease, and he found many contributing factors. So by addressing some of the major ones, he found that the cognitive symptoms were being reversed. Also, when Mark Houston was on the show, he mentioned in heart disease, which you know probably has similar etiologies, that uh, there's three things that happen, inflammation, oxidative stress, and whatever else. And, but there are 400 contributing factors. So it sounds like that you're, you know, Dr. Bredesen approached it once people fell into the pond, and you're doing the same thing before people fall into the pond. But how can we tell Dr. if we're Bredesen, going in the wrong direction yeah. and are uh, approaching this deadly pond? When should we be concerned? Oh, my goodness. Uh, both of those um, experts that you reference are good friends. And uh, Dr. Bredesen, uh, he um, actually had the courage to come out and write his research papers and then his book on the end of Alzheimer's. And we've got hundreds of cases now all over the world of reversing cognitive decline in Alzheimer's and following the Bredesen protocol. You're absolutely right. There's 36 things on the checklist that Dr. Bredesen has identified. Do they have elevated homocysteine? Fix it. Do they have a sensitivity to wheat? Get it out of there. What about a sensitivity to dairy? Because it causes uh, uh, tears in the blood-brain barrier. Get it out of there. What do they sleep? And, and just check by check by 
hormone levels. Uh, there's 36 things on the checklist. We're on the exact same page. And what I'm trying to do is give people that big picture. And that's why I say just one hour a week. Why is it one hour a week? Because this is overwhelming. This is so overwhelming that people don't know where to start or what to do. And they throw the baby out with the bathwater. They feel helpless. And so what my recommendation is and what the book says, you will allocate one hour a week. And some people will do one hour twice a week or three times a week, but one hour a week. And this week, what are you going to do? And the book says, all right, get the plastic stuff out of the kitchen. So order, uh, order wax paper, order uh, beeswax paper to put on your food, get rid of the wax paper, or um, get rid of the plastic wrap, because the plastic, uh, the, the phthalates, the chemicals that are called phthalates in the plastic wrap leach into the food. You wrap a piece of chicken in plastic wrap and put it in the refrigerator, tomorrow that chicken's got phthalates in it, and you're eating the phthalates. Get rid of the plastic container. So it's going to take you an hour. Go online, go to Amazon, look and see what kind of plastic container or what kind of glass containers there are, or go to MilesKimball.com. You know, we've got re- references all through the book for these things, and you're going to order your glass containers. You're going to think of how many you need. Well, I probably need three of these this size and four or five of this size. And you're going to order your glass containers, and when they come in, you take the plastic ones out. You never let them touch your food again. What do you do with them? You give your husband to store nails out in the garage with. Or you give them to the kids to store crayons with. Or you store your buttons you know, in your sewing kit with them, but they never touch food again. But that took an hour. Now for the rest of your life, you and your family have reduced your phthalate exposures by getting rid of the plastic wrap and getting rid of the plastic containers. Next week, it's going to be aluminum foil. The week after that, we're going to talk about air pollution and how bad air is um, and how you can't tell You want to know how bad the air... Well, let me give you a little backup on this. They did um, autopsies on dogs in Mexico City. And what they found was that every single dog had evidence of Alzheimer's-like lesions in their brain. Every single dog. This was in the mid-1990s. In the mid-2000s, the test came out, the urine test and the blood test to check children. Every single child they checked has inflammation in the brain and the markers of different, uh, different levels of the markers causing brain deterioration and Alzheimer's-like symptoms. Every single child in Mexico City. It's because of the air. It's so bad there. If you want to know how bad the air is in your town, take your car to a car wash, a nice car wash. You know, the guy wears that water bottle on his hip and he goes, and squirts your windshield and wipes it down real nice and all that. Drive home, leave your car outside, set your alarm for four hours. When it goes off, go back outside, run your hand across the windshield. That's the crud that you're breathing. You can't see it, you can't taste it, but you're breathing it all the time. And it goes right up through your nose, straight into your brain. We've got a test in the book called a smell test. And the smell test is highly accurate. It has 97% correlation with the, the expensive equipment that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars in university research centers. You get the 97% the same result by just doing this simple $49 test. And you get this test, 
It's a scratch and sniff. You take a coin, and like for a lottery card, you scratch off this one, and then you smell it. Oh, that smells like strawberry. And then you check, yep, strawberry, good. And you do the next one. And it's a 12-cent test, 12 different cents. And you go, if you score nine or less correct, you got a problem. And if you're over 70 years old, the science is really clear, you're 30% more likely of dying in the next five years of some disease, whatever it's going to be. But your brain is deteriorating. If you're over 70, if you're less than 70 and you score to have a problem, your brain's deteriorating. You've got some time to turn this around. So a really simple test like that, the smell test, is one of the ones we talk about that gives you a, a, um, a reality check. Do I have to look into this further or not? So, and, and I give you the studies to look at, and you take the studies to your doctor, so you do this smell test, you're the smell test, you do it, comes back not good, you take it to your doctor along with the studies that are right there on my website to download for free. You say, Doc, look, I, I, this is how I scored in this test, and look what they say here about what this means. And your doc won't know much about this, but hopefully this will trigger his interest and you'll say, what's our next step here? And if the doc says, well, I'm not sure, then you pull out the handout that you download that says, well, they suggest this is the blood test to do, doc, to look for 18 different markers of inflammation in my brain. Would you order this blood test, please? And you give them the handout for that. It's called the neural zoomer so that you find out my brain's on fire right now. Then, if your brain's on fire, then you go to the book and you go through, okay, where does it come? Is it inhalation? Is it biochemistry? Is it emotional? Is it electromagnetic? And we give you step-by-step to just keep investigating to figure out what the heck's going on. And remember, remember what Einstein said, make things as simple as possible, but no simpler which means that people have to take ownership for themselves. You cannot put your health in anyone else's hands. They are your coaches. And when you're dealing with neurologists and people like that, they're highly educated, but they're still your coaches. They don't know. Most of them don't know how to go upstream and look for the problem. They're really good at giving you the life jacket for the symptoms you currently have. And that's really important. But you want someone on your team who's going to help you go back upstream to figure out what's going on. But you never know this unless you read the book so that you understand what the big picture is. Now, another test you mentioned, in addition to the smell test, and because of the neurological connections, it does connect with how our brain is functioning. You mentioned the cerebellum test. Where Can you describe that so people can try that at home to see if this is something they should explore further? Oh, sure, sure. Um, I did a blood test in my office um, that every new patient received, and it was a very extensive blood test. It looked for antibodies. That's when your immune system is fighting something that shouldn't be inside of you. Uh, It looked for antibodies to uh, wheat and dairy, corn, soy, egg, and uh, three different types of antibodies to all of them. And then it looked at antibodies to your own tissue, to your gut, um, to the cerebellum in your brain, to myelin, which is the saran wrap around your nerves and around your brain, and to gangliosides, which is 
uh, a component of your brain tissue. When you've got elevated antibodies to gangliosides, your brain is slowly shrinking uh, because the antibodies are killing off brain cells one at a time. Uh, So we did this really comprehensive test, and we found that 68% of everyone that came in had elevated antibodies to wheat. That's how common it is that wheat's a problem, 68% of everyone. If they had elevated antibodies to wheat, 26% of them had elevated antibodies to their cerebellum. That means with the antibodies to wheat, the immune system was also attacking their brain and attacking the area of the brain called the cerebellum. Well, what does that mean? The cerebellum is the part of your brain that controls all your muscle function and your balance. How many older people do you know that can dance up and down the stairs? Not many. And it's got nothing to do with their muscles. It has to do with their brain sending the message down to the muscles of the legs. And that's all controlled by your cerebellum. So so many people have elevated antibodies to their cerebellum so over the years, and you can't feel that. You don't feel anything with that when that's going on. So what happens is you're killing off your cerebellum, killing off your cerebellum, killing off your cerebellum, and eventually you start to lose your balance a little bit. And the technical term, the geek term, when it gets really bad, is called ataxia. But that's an end stage. The mechanism goes on for so many people that just don't have good balance. Do you want to know if there's a, uh, of an indicator for cerebellar activity? Just stand up. Anyone that's listening to this, you just stand up. Uh, stand with your feet nice and solid on the ground so you get good balance. Now, just lift your right knee up in the air and just hold your right knee up in the air for a minute. Are you able to do that? Can you hold it there for 10 seconds? And if you can, good, then close your eyes. Can you still hold it there for 10 seconds? Okay, good. Now do the other side. Lift up your left knee. Hold it straight up. Can you do that for 10 seconds? Good. Now close your eyes. Can you do that? Good. And if both of those are okay, then, you know, it's an indicator that your cerebellum is probably not damaged too bad yet. But if you can't do that, it's an indicator that you likely have a cerebellum imbalance. And it's not a brain cancer, but it's a, it's a slow wearing out deterioration. And for each individual, how fast that occurs just depends on a number of different factors of how you eat, how you live your life and all that. But you never know to look into this unless you check for cerebellar antibodies. That's why the cerebellar antibodies are part of that NeuroZoomer blood test. So you do the smell test first. If that comes back and there's a problem, Then you go do the blood test. You ask your doctor to order the blood test. And then you see if you have elevated antibodies to any of those areas of your brain. Yeah, because uh, so so those are two simple tests you can do at home. First do the sniff test and then do this balance test to see if you need to explore this further. Um, I mean, as as he described in his previous two books, I mean, gluten, we just don't have the ability to digest it. So it becomes a big undigested protein, it ends up in our bloodstream, it looks foreign, we get antibodies against it, and these antibodies get confused because the uh, balanced cells in the cerebellum, the islet cells in the pancreas, and the thyroid cells are very similar. So we've got antibodies attacking all these different parts in our body. And Dr. Uh, O'Brien, 
Ryan has discussed this in his previous books on gluten as well as autoimmunity. So diet sounds like gluten and dairy is one issue. He did mention toxins, which is a huge issue. Toxins are everywhere. It's in our food. It's in it's in uh, in the couches. They put flame retardants. They put all sorts of horrible things in our food. And Dr. Bredesen even defined one category of Alzheimer's, which he calls toxic. So this is a heavy contributor to cognitive decline. So he's already touched on two very important things as we unravel this and try to go upstream. And he has a very logical approach so that we can go through many of these things. So why don't you tell us more about the steps that you have in your book? Obviously, you're going to deal with immune issues, food sensitivities, diet, leaky brain, gut health, etc. So can you go through your program a little bit? Because you have the adage, fix your body, you fix your brain. And that kind of gives us some hope. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And we've actually put together an entire brain master class for people who want to go step-by-step through a guided uh, program. And I I don't know how many, um, there may be, let's see, there's five sections and there's four or five components to each section. So that's uh, 20 to 25. And then each component has four to six videos in it. So that's between 80 to 120 videos in this program. I say, hi, it's Dr. Tom. Let's talk today about your kitchen. Now, when you're in your pantry, and then I just go through, look for this, 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 and this. Or when you store food, here's the things that you want to use to store your food. Um, You mentioned flame retardant in uh, furniture. How many people you know whose lives have been saved because they were sleeping in nightgowns that have been soaked in flame retardant chemicals or under sheets? that have been soaked in flame-retardant chemicals. And no matter how many times you wash the sheets, those chemicals stay in the fibers, and they just outgas a little bit every day. So you're breathing just a little bit of those flame-retardant chemicals. And there is no study anywhere that the amount of flame-retardant chemicals that you're breathing from your sleeping gear or your sleeping equipment is enough to cause a problem. There's no study anywhere but it's accumulative that the amount of inhalation of toxic chemicals from flame-retardant clothing and flame-retardant bedding and flame-retardant sofas that you sit on or chairs at night and flame-retardant chemicals in the car seats that you sit in the car in, there's the accumulation of all of that. Then the accumulation of the heavy metals in the water in the fish, in the meats that you eat. And then the accumulation of the uh, uh, insecticides and pesticides, the PCBs. Uh, We talk about uh, why children's brains, why is the um, estimate of uh, autism, why is it so bad now? The, The incidence and the projections are just shockingly bad. The incident is uh, when I came in practice, it was one in 10,000, just over one in 10,000. Now it's one boy in 38, and it's estimated by 2026 it'll be one child in two. I mean, it's just going exponentially up, and why is that? Here's one example as to why. I think it was a Danish government. It may have been the Finnish government, but I think it was the Danish government. They did a study. It was a 
supposed to be finished in six months, but it took three years because there were so many people that were in outrage and demanded to be heard on the topic. The topic was, should we re- recommend women not breastfeed in a first <laughs> pregnancy? Well, what kind of ridiculous thing is that? But here is the concern. Danish people eat a lot of fish. The fish come from the fjords. The fjords are narrow and deep and long, but they're narrow. The farmers have been using insecticides and pesticides for 40 years, and the rain washes these pesticides, these PCB chemicals, these families, it's called the PCB family uh, of chemicals, uh, polychlorinated bromalds, into the water. The fish absorb these PCBs. People eat the fish. You get the PCBs. And there is no study anywhere that the amount of PCBs in any one fish is a problem for humans. But they eat a lot of fish. And this stuff accumulates, especially if you don't have really good detoxification pathways. This stuff accumulates. And when it accumulates, it accumulates. These chemicals are called endocrine disrupting chemicals, hormone-disrupting chemicals. They accumulate there. And when they accumulate in the, in the estrogen-loving tissue, that's the breasts and the testes for guys because testosterone is the other one. So it's estrogen and testosterone and progesterone. Those three chemicals are the ones where these, uh, those three hormones are the locations where those hormones go is where these chemicals go. So if you can't break them down, they get stored in your body. And, of course, the brain says, get this stuff out of the bloodstream. So it goes into the estrogen-loving cells and the testosterone-loving cells. That's the breast. That's the testes. So now you have a woman, 25, 30 years old, been eating fish her whole life, been accumulating just a little bit, tiny amount of PCBs in her breast for a lifetime. Now she gets pregnant. She has a healthy baby, healthy delivery, healthy pregnancy, healthy delivery. Now her breasts have gotten the message, start making some milk, and the lactation begins. And where does the breast cells get the raw materials to make the milk? From the fat cells of the breast. What's in the fat cells? PCBs. So the breast milk comes out from a firstborn. That's why this was always just firstborn from a firstborn loaded with PCBs, high dosages that a baby's immune system cannot deal with. They don't have any way of protecting against this level of poison coming from mom's breast milk. And it affects the development of baby's brain and the function of baby's brain. That's why it was the first pregnancy, because after that, mom's breast of detox naturally, she's flushed out all this crud, and has gone in the breast milk to the firstborn. So the, the commission was, should we recommend women of childbearing age not breastfeed a first baby? And there was such a stink about it from every point of view. And the final outcome was, no, it's more important to breastfeed than not. And I personally agree with that, but we take it a step further. Every woman of childbearing age needs to detox her breast before she gets pregnant. And in the book, we talk about how do you do that? And it's, excuse me, it's really easy. It takes about six months to a year. 
very easy things to do at home. And the result is you are flushing out all this toxic crud that has accumulated in your breasts. This is interesting. And folks, just if you don't live in Flint, it doesn't mean you don't have lead in your water because Oakland has measured uh, lead levels just as high as Flint and about 13% of the cities in New Jersey, I understand, have measured lead levels as high. And also, I wouldn't believe uh, people when they say, oh, a little bit of this chemical won't hurt you because this big toxic soup, each chemical has different mechanisms of acting and they're all synergistic and can do a lot more damage than each one would do individually. So toxins certainly is an important aspect of this. That's really important. You're absolutely right. It's the accumulative amount of assault that's coming into our bodies today that our immune systems have to deal with. See, and it was Mark Houston. Mark said this about four or five years ago, and he's absolutely correct. He said, the human body, you have the exact same body as your ancestor thousands and thousands of years ago. And the human body has a limited number of responses to an unlimited number of insults. Why is that? Because our ancestors, what did our ancestors' immune systems have to protect them from? Bugs, parasites, viruses, molds, and fungus. That's it. There's nothing else for our ancestors. Bugs, parasites, virus, mold, and fungus. So when you're exposed to polysorbate 80 in some of the red dyes of the foods you're eating that are red color, your body thinks it's a bug, parasite, virus, mold, or fungus. When you're exposed to the highly toxic chemicals in nail polish, you put it on your nails, it's in your bloodstream in three to five minutes, and you're exposed to that, your body thinks it's fighting a bug, parasite, virus, mold, or fungus. When you're exposed to lead in the milk that you're drinking or the cheese that you're eating, your body thinks it's fighting a virus, mold, uh, bug, parasite, virus, mold, or fungus. My point is we have not adapted to these new toxins. We still, our bodies only can respond as if it's a bug, parasite, virus, mold, or fungus. So, and that is the fuel on the fire that triggers most diseases to flare up. That's why Dr. Bredesen talked about 36 things on the checklist, is that there's never one thing that causes a disease. High cholesterol doesn't cause heart disease. High cholesterol may be a component of heart disease, but why do you have high cholesterol? Well, the LDL cholesterol, what we traditionally call the bad cholesterol, it's not bad cholesterol. It's the raw material that all your hormones come from. Estrogen, testosterone, melatonin, serotonin, insulin, they're made from cholesterol, LDL cholesterol. It's the oxidized LDL cholesterol that's really a bad guy that plugs up your pipes. And that's why Dr. Houston talks about oxidation so much. He's absolutely right. But we have to ask, why does my body have high cholesterol when you do have high cholesterol? And you may find when you go back upstream, oh my gosh, it's really the stress that I have and my body is trying to, has to make a whole lot of stress hormones to keep me with the energy to fight this stress in my life. That may be the trigger to your high cholesterol. 
It's all about going upstream to find out what's the trigger, what's causing this. I would like to add a few more things to this toxic soup. One is electromagnetic uh, fields, and I've had several programs on that, and we'll have more in the future. Another is genetically modified foods. Leaving out the herbicides, just the GMO itself, causes a lot of problems in the body, and animals that had consumed it had tumors and various problems. Compounded is glyphosate, which is the herbicide in Roundup that they use for the genetically modified food, and that is everywhere, the Arctic, organic food it's in every single one of us and it's causing all sorts of health problems we've had shows on that so it's a big toxic soup that's pretty serious but also an interesting thing is sugar i mean i went to a friend brought me to a pancake place and they put maple syrup on it which i didn't want and all of a sudden i just spaced out that i couldn't function and that to me implies that every time we have sugar it does something damaging to our brain i mean i've researched that if our sugars go low each time it's a brain insult and each time they go high it's a brain insult but just one little bit of sugar and i'm spaced out and can't function so sugar sounds like an important part of this piece puzzle as well it is. It's a critically uh, important part. Uh, and I, I start in the first chapter of the book, I talk about a way of looking at um, how, how do you categorize all of these potential triggers. And I refer to it as the pyramid of health. You know, there's four sides to a pyramid. There's a base, the foundation, and then there are the three sides going up. Your foundation is your structure, and that's the home of chiropractic and massage and Alexander technique, Feldenkrais technique, craniosacral therapy, orthotics in your shoes, the types of pillows you use to sleep with, the position of your car seat. All of those things can cause structural problems that have to be addressed for some people, And those structural problems can easily cause your disease. It doesn't matter what disease you've got. It could be caused by a structural problem. So you have to evaluate structure. And then there are the three sides that stand up of the pyramid. The first side is the biochemistry. And we've all learned a lot about that over the years, from the food we eat to the nutrients that we take, the drugs we take, the air we breathe. That all affects your biochemistry. And then the next side is the emotional or spiritual. And we've all heard of stinking thinking, and that can cause any problem. The stress around how we think, how we look at life, can trigger any single problem. And I'll give you an example of that in just a minute. And then the last side of the pyramid, because there's three sides, the biochemistry, the emotional or spiritual, and the last side is the electromagnetic. And we talk a lot about the studies that show altering brain function because of electromagnetic overwhelm. And so well, it changes the brain to- structure. Suleiman in Turkey put cell phones on pregnant animal animals, abdomens, and the offspring had brain changes. And Hardell has done a lot of research connecting various brain tumors with cell radiation. So this is more uh, dangerous than these avid propose, proponents of 5G want to indicate. Exactly. You're exactly right on that. That's why in the book you'll read that everyone needs a electromagnetic protecting cover on their cell phones. You can't tell people don't use cell phones. They will. It's part of life now. But at least you put 
and, and I use one called a Pong, P-O-N-G. It's on Amazon, 50 bucks. I don't know if it's the best or not, but I know it works because I drive an Acura. And as I walk up to the car, my key sends a message to the car and the lights go on. The dome light inside and the lights outside shining on the door handle going down to the ground there as I walk up close to the car. But if I walk up to the car with my phone in the same hand as my keys, it doesn't work. The lights don't go on. And I try to open the door handle and the automatic unlock doesn't work. And I say, oh, right, I've got my phone in my hand with my keys. So I put my phone in the other hand and then the door, the lights go on and the door handle unlocks right away when I grab it. Uh, so and it's a, that's just a simple tool that, you know, we never will be able to go back to the way that it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago when we thought healthcare was so much of a problem. We'll never be able to go back to those days. It's much worse now than it ever has been. So we have to develop a defense, a defensive posture to protect you and your family is you need to get educated and go upstream to know the questions to ask your healthcare professionals. Dr. Bredesen tells us that clinically, 60 to 65% of all the Alzheimer's cases he sees falls under the category of inhalation Alzheimer's. It's what you're breathing every single day. And if you knew what you're breathing was causing fire in your brain, you'd not stay there anymore. Mrs. Patient, when you go on vacation for a week or two, when you come home, do you have to open all the windows to air the house out? Oh, yeah. You got mold in your house. You're breathing mold every single day. You need to check and see if you have a mold infection. So you do the nasal swabs, and I talk about it in the book. You do the nasal swabs to see if you got a mold infection. Or you do a blood test to see if you got a mold infection. Or you do a urine test to see if you've got exhaust from a mold infection in your urine. You just check. If it's not there, great. It's not there. But you just check because we have to be defensive now. We have to... We, we have to go on the offense protecting ourselves, meaning you have to take some action to protect yourself from the toxicity of this world we live in. It no longer will be the way it was 10, 15 years ago. This is interesting. I mean, there's so many interrelated uh, com- complex things that contribute to this and you break it down into a very simple weekly approach such as listening to your body, learning about Bredesen's work, keeping track of what we're eating, looking at the environmental working groups website, etc. You make it very simple. But one thing that's rather interesting is many of the things we're doing makes our brain barrier leaky. We've got this barrier protecting our brain to keep the baddies out and keep the goodies in, but this is leaking, which means anything wants to can come in. I mean, some say that glyphosate chelates aluminum, just brings it right through the blood-brain barrier. I mean, it's kind of scary that our brain is open season to anything that's around us. It certainly is, and I introduce a whole new term in the book that I hope catches on, and that is capital B- Number four, B4, do you have a breach of the blood-brain barrier? And that test I referenced earlier, neural zoomer, is excellent to test for that. And if you've got tears in the cheesecloth of your brain, this cheesecloth that protects your brain is called the blood-brain barrier. If you've got tears in the cheesecloth, then things, stuff gets into the brain that shouldn't. It activates those glial cells that fire bazookas 
and it destroys whatever's trying to get in. But if you've got a breach of the blood-brain barrier, this is going on 24-7. And you keep firing bazookas. 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 Here comes the collateral damage and all the inflammation in your brain. And then you start getting a brain deterioration disease. So identifying B4 is an early positive step to take to see, oh my gosh, I've got B4. All right, I guess I have to learn what to do about that. And then you allocate the next week, one hour a week, and then you just start learning what are the triggers of B4. When you learn that casein in dairy is highly toxic to the blood-brain barrier, and then you read the couple of paragraphs I put in the book with the studies that show scientists are really concerned because casein causes a breach of the blood-brain barrier, and these molecules go right into the area of the brain, right by the respiratory center. And they're really concerned that this may be a common trigger to sudden infant death syndrome. And there's a number of papers published on this. So what does that mean? It means if you're giving your baby milk and cheese, they may be at risk. Well, how do I know? You check and see if your baby has a sensitivity to casein. There's a simple blood test you do for that. And if there's a family history of dairy sensitivity, especially those kids, you check them early. So I go through all that in the book. See, this is so overwhelming. But if you allocate just one hour a week just to learn a little bit more, in six months, you have dialed this down. You've got the big picture so that you can talk cohesively on the topic and not be overwhelmed by it. And you're just taking it one step at a time, one step at a time. But there's no other way. There is no other way. Two pharmaceutical companies that I know of have closed and shut down their Alzheimer's research departments. And they laid off the researchers. They've spent billions, and they know now they're never going to find a cure for Alzheimer's. There's way too many options. There's 36 different things that may trigger it. So there's never going to be a drug that fixes all of that. So they shut it down, and they allocate their research now to more profitable things. But the only way that you can protect your brain is to get the big picture here. That's critically important. What's my current status? So we give you the tests to find out what your current status is. What do those tests mean? And then what do I do about them? One by one by one. And if it takes you six months to learn how to do all this stuff, are you willing? If I tell you that you're going to reverse your brain function, the loss of brain function, you're going to reverse it back 13 years would you be willing to do one hour a week for six months to develop different lifestyles? And if you are, say, all right, you know, I'd like to have it now. I want the results right now. But all right, I'll, I'll give an hour a week to this. We'll see how it goes. And in a few months, you're, you're just, you just, oh, wait, I just remembered the last three people's names I met. And I remembered what I ate for dinner three nights ago. You know, it's things like that that you're forgetting now that you didn't pay any attention to, that you were forgetting. But you're realizing, oh, my brain's working better. This is great. This is great. Then it empowers you to stay on the program. Keep going back to the book, one hour a week. Keep in the brain master class, and you find that your, your brain is turning around. 
Well, that gives us great hope. So in addition to, I mean, obviously we have to avoid the things that trigger this and trigger the uh, leaky brain and help keep the gut healthy and minimize inflammation. But what do we do about, and I assume you tell us what to do about the toxins that are already in our body. Yes, yes. You have to do detox protocols and they depend on the individual, what their genetics are, what your vulnerabilities, what's accumulated in your body. Here's the test to do to figure out what's accumulated in your body. I mean, it's a, it's a different protocol if you've accumulated a lot of toxic uh, phthalates than it is if you've accumulated a lot of mercury. It's a different protocol. So you just have to find out what is it that my body's accumulating. Well, you may, I mean, it's so nice that this very complicated and scary area, you've put it in such simple terms that we can all learn bit by bit and become experts over a period of time. We've got three minutes left, so are there any final points you would like to make, other than I certainly think that people should go get your book, uh, Fix You Can Fix Your Brain, but how do they get a hold of you, and what are your final closing points you would like to share? Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, our website is thedr.com, thedoctor.com. Don't spell the word doctor out, just thedr.com. And when you go there and you see the books there on the front page, uh, when you click on it, it'll take you right to Amazon or wherever. There's five different places you can buy the book. It'll take you right there. But then if you go through our site to get there, you also get these downloads and some more information for free, like, like uh, uh, rebuilding your pantry. Uh, that's one of the handouts I think that's there. There's a bunch of handouts there. So it's the dr.com uh, to order the book uh, and get the handouts. Also, the Brain Masterclass is there. And we just launched the Brain Masterclass, just launched it. So we're launching it at a huge discount, an 80% discount. It's normally nine ninety seven because it's going to go for months for you with cutting-edge information. But we're, there's an 80% discount. It's only 197 right now if you're willing to give me feedback. If you're willing to give us feedback during the course, during your time in the course, and just tell us, how was this video for you? I mean, did you pick up? Was it too confusing? Is it okay? Is there anything you feel was left out? And some people say, well, I didn't learn about this and this, but I'll know. Well, that's coming two videos down the line, so we're fine. But if someone says, well, I didn't quite understand this, and if I get... You know, more than just a couple of people, if I get 30% of the people that don't understand what we're trying to do, I'm going to do the video again, and then I'll send the person the new video. You know, so if you're willing to give us feedback, you can get into the Brain Masterclass right now for a limited time for 197 You know, I don't know how long that'll last until I get so much feedback, I can't take any, you know, there's just no more. Uh, but at least for now, it's going to be that way. And that's at thedr.com also. And I think the final message that I would give is that you can fix your brain. You can. But it's so overwhelming. You have to allocate one hour a week and maybe an hour twice a week or three times, you know, if you're really concerned. But the concept is one hour a week to the best memory, productivity, and sleep that you've had in a long, long time. And if you're patient with yourself and if you're kind with yourself, you will get the results that you want. You just this have is to so exciting. I want to thank you for this because this is a very scary, complicated, 
apparently overwhelming topic and you break it down so that we can walk through this and become empowered so that we can do something to help our cognitive situation, whatever it might be. So folks, I want to recommend that you go to his website, get his book, You Can Fix Your Brain. And so you can help yourselves, help others, share it with your clinicians so they can help further people. And above all, be well. you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week. We